Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, Managing with Common Sense. My name is Glenn Cruz. I have two special guests today. One special guest is actually returning onto my podcast, which I am so thankful he's coming back. And our first special guest is Nate Brown. He's one of the directors at Arise. I met him at the HDI Support World Live uh, conference in Las Vegas. I met him, had a great conversation with him, and I had to get him on the pod. And our second guest is no other than our own Ben Brennan from QStack. Glad to have him back. I really appreciate Ben for taking the time to come to the pod to have a conversation about our topic today is customer service. How exciting is that, customer service? So without further ado, let's get right into the pod. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Glenn Cruz. This is uh, my podcast with Managing with Common Sense. I have two great guests and a returning guest today with me. Um, well, he's kind of in the bottom of my Zoom screen. Nate, it's probably Nate's, Nate's on the side. So I have Nate Brown. He's Hello. the Senior Director of CX at Rise. Um, and uh, he'll speak a little about that. We'll get to, Nate, get to know Nate a little more. And then we all know Ben. He was in my last podcast about hey, uh, using common sense in IT. Mm. Uh, so that was a good one. Yeah, that was a long one. Was, I think it was my longest one. <laughs> Am I, yeah, that tends, that tends to happen with me on in, in general. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's okay. A compliment. <laughs> it, it's no, a good compliment because we were. <laughs> it's a feature and a bug at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Nate, welcome to the pod. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Tell us, tell us, you know, tell us, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, I've I uh, I'm in Nashville. I have my mandolin over here. I'm a lover of hot chicken. Actually, I have some of my own chickens. I can see right out the window here in Middle Tennessee, and I got two two younger daughters, and uh, I got Dolly Dolly to the to the east of me, and Elvis to the west. So right here in the in the middle of Nashville, uh, do a lot of kayaking and disc golf and pickleball. Pickleball has been my more recent obsession, uh, but certainly uh, professionally, I I am a student of the customer experience world. I love this work. I feel like it's so artistic but also so scientific in terms of the nature of the work. And it, it just absolutely fascinates me. It's the funnest puzzle to solve that I have found professionally. So I'm, I've dedicated my, my career to trying to solve this CX puzzle for different organizations. And that's what I get to do right now. And Ben has, has a great tool that he has with his company. Indeed. And uh, Ben, welcome to the pod again. Really appreciate you for coming on board for this, for this, uh, podcast about customer service. Totally. I, I can't wait. Especially, um, we were talking before, but I have to plug something. I have to plug Nate Brown, my co-guest here who, um, I've always been a fan of, but, uh, most recently just seeing a, a talk that he did like fired me up, you know, like you uh, in kind of our, I think Nate, you'll probably agree. Like in our line of work, a lot of times we're the fire uppers. Like our job is to fire up everyone else. Yep. It was such a treat when like, I just got to sit back as an audience member and get fired up and get me excited about customer experience. So, um, and Glenn, I'd love, obviously, you know, that we're friends and I love hanging out with you too, but, uh, Nate, you know, Nate most recently inspired me, but you know, Glenn, you inspire me on a daily basis. So <laughs> you know, both inspiring people. Thank you, man. Yeah. Like when I met Nate, I think I met Nate in the in the speaker lounge and we had a little conversation. Yep. I'm like, That's right. I'm like in my head, I'm like, 
listening to Nate and I'm like, he's just blowing my mind of all the stuff he's just saying. I'm like, oh, he's got to come on my podcast. And, <laughs> and I'm like, and I was trying to get two other people, but they had some medical issues. And I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna have Nate and, you know, he's next, he's, you know, Nate and Ben on this, on this podcast. Cause I'm like, they're, they've been through this. I've been through this and yeah. customer service. I mean, alone just thinking about it for me customer service would be when i walk into a store i'm expected to get greeted mm. right and that's from my corporate retail days because you know ben valvis know from my past experience i i used to work for the sharper image and customer service was our is our biggest was our biggest thing there and no matter what who, whoever came in the store everyone had to get greeted no matter what we always had a greeter mm. at the door so your experience and uh, we're going to get into the IT world of customer service or could we change it and say customer experience Please. or is it still a service, right? I just had a conversation yesterday. I was in a, a psychological safety class nice. and one of it was like, should we still call it service or experience, hmm. right? So, I mean, that's the buzz, buzzword right now is experience and some people are utilizing it correctly and some are not. And yes, I bet sir. you that kind of like um, want to like pull your hair at times, right? Hmm. So tell me, uh, either uh, I'll go with Nate first and then Ben, what's, what's customer service to you that's outside of IT? Hmm. Well, let me go back to one of the comments that Ben made around being a fire starter. And I think that's okay, something that great. Karen Hurt actually put in her book, uh, Winning Well. I love that term, fire starter. And, and I, I attempted to write a piece this week. It performed very poorly, but I'm still very happy with it. And I'm going to make you listen to something that I put in there. Because I think Ben, I mean, me, me and him have the same heartbeat here. And I, I saw, I put this whole commentary on how the world's full of chaos and how CX professionals get to bring this, this peace and harmony into these friction-filled situations. And so I put the tenacity, creativity, and goodness I saw in these CX leaders is enough to keep me going, to keep fighting for better experiences. I believe most CX leaders bring a special energy and mission-driven excitement into the workplace. It's needed more now than ever. And I, I mean, I just really believe that that's one of the, the attributes that we get to bring as customer service leaders, as CX leaders, is, is that flame of, of excitement of who we get to serve and why. <laughs> and bringing that voice of customer, bringing that energy into every interaction that we can is, is an essential function that we perform. Um, but to go, to go to your actual question, Glenn. Uh, so, I mean, if we think of what service looks like beyond IT, beyond the internal focus, I mean, it's, it's interesting because that, that really is what we're trying to do. And I'm, I'm going to use the story brandism of, of the idea that we're not the hero of this story. The customer is the hero of the story. So that puts us in the role of guide. And what does the guide do? The guide serves. The guide is there to serve the hero of the story as they navigate their journey. And so the better that we can perform our role, our function as guide, the better that we can serve in that capacity. <laughs> The, the better that journey, the better the experience is going to look like for the hero of our story. And, and that narrative can take so many different forms. It can absolutely be an internally focused journey of IT professionals that are trying to make it easier for people to do their jobs. That's such a critical function of the guide. Or it could be way outside the company, serving way out on the front lines in whatever field, whatever vertical that you serve in, but, but the mentality is still the same. I get to focus on this individual and their needs. 
I get to serve them and create an experience for them. So it almost doesn't matter to me if we're using the word service or experience. What matters to me is the mentality and our ability to be the guide. And that's that's the challenge, right? Um, where for your, I mean, the way you spoke about it, so much passion and staying positive the whole way. Yes, you'll have your pitfalls once in a while, but those minor, you know, those are fixable. Yeah. And that's that's us, right? That's IT. And, and inevitable. Like you're going yeah. to make like pitfalls and mistakes are the the path to innovation is like littered with mistakes. Like you can't get to innovation without taking wrong turns. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Nate, were you going to say something? Sorry. I didn't want to. Oh, I, I love the terminology you're using around motivation. And, and my favorite resource in this area is uh, Neil, Neil Doshi and Lindsay McGregor. They wrote Prime to Perform. And, and they talk about TOMO, the total motivation factor. Yes. And they have a very scientific way of measuring the different ways that we are victims of our jobs. We are all a victim of our job at different levels, psychologically, uh, some of us even physically <laughs> to some degree, uh, some of us economically, and, and some of us just as simple as inertia. We're, we're, sit, we're sitting in a chair, we're doing a job because we've done it for years. And we've become a victim of that, that sad momentum that's not actually going anywhere. So breaking that down and eliminating that negative friction, eliminating that negative psychological environment and, and incubating in a circle of psychological trust. I love that you just took that course, Glenn. You could probably speak to it way more relevantly <laughs> than me, but I mean, to use that Simon Sinek quote, we don't win by walking around stabbing things with swords. We win with the strength of our shields and our ability yes. to get back to back and protect one another's back. That's that yes. circle of trust that is established. Then we can start thinking about the positive motivators. Let, let's build community around one another. <laughs> Let, let's look at the purpose-driven work that we get to do, the special ways that we get to serve people around us. But if I'm worried about a knife in the back, I'm not going to think about you or anybody else. I'm focused on me right now. So you have to get to that baseline of my ability to turn and now focus outward. So that, that's where it starts. Now, now that we're there, okay, let's think about purpose, potential, and play which is curiosity and excitement about the work. Let's get that excitement back in it, that flame back in the work. But if you're still here, hoping you don't get a knife in the back, forget about all of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one, one of uh, IT's Achilles heels. They're always worried about that knife behind their back. Yeah. And, and then, then customer service just all of a sudden just starts dwindling down. And the experience for that customer starts dwindling down. And then, then you start losing trust. It's a common common thing at corporate retail. You know, you get that one bad apple who puts a bad review. We didn't have reviews back then, right? You know, <laughs> uh, so you know, literally the time we were just getting over to Voip. That's you know when Voip became a thing. That's when we jumped on that bad wagon too. So that's how archaic I am when it comes to technology. When I was in I in re corporate retail, so when people would send in a bad survey, it you know, even before Yelp and anything, it would spread like a wildfire. Wow. Yeah. And it, and we always had this thing. It always like, uh, it makes 14 good D's to make, to make one back right again. Yep. And, and it, it applies anywhere. If you're customer centric, it's just like it and it doesn't realize that, or sometimes it doesn't accept it. Right. Where they're like, no, we just focus on, you know, 
you know, making the company good, but your customers, HR, your customer is marketing. You're, mm. you know, you're not, yeah, you're not dealing with the people who are buying the product, but your customer is the company. Indirectly, you absolutely are. Yeah. And, and that's the challenge where IT needs to understand and accept and wondering why for, I even surprisingly here, we accept it. It's just, you know, we're such a huge department. Some other IT departments don't accept it. And it's, mm. it's kind of weird. And, you know, and that's where I think where silos occur. And breaking down that silo is like, look, we're a customer of you. Why are you treating us that way? Because we're totally opposite way because we're so used to helping out, you know, Nobel laureates <laughs> and researchers nice. and stuff like that, right? And, and, and we treat them with, I mean, we treat them with kindness. And, but internally, we tend not to treat each other with kindness. Yeah. And that's a challenge. It's like, look, it's customer service both ways. It's not a one-way street. And right. what are your thoughts on that, on, on making IT realize, you know, for the people who are listening, I'm surprised there's a lot of listeners on my podcast, where they- <laughs> All right, I was awesome. so surprised. <laughs> I think that, uh, by the I, way, it's that, it's that kind of humility that probably makes, you know, makes sense why you have such a good customer experience for your team too. I think, uh, you know, like when you see like ar ar arrogant people in the service industry does, doesn't mix, right? I think that that humility and, and servant leadership, sorry for the aside, but I think it was a great case in point. I'm like, that very humility, I think is what makes you good. I think that's the differential. Yeah. But how do we how do we bring that to other IT? So yeah, that's the cool. challenge, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of protection. People put up walls, yeah. or some people were like, "I know this system, and if you eliminate it, then you lose the data, right? Yeah. And you're left with the legacy system." So how do we how do we go over that that obstacle? I mean, I struggled with this early in in my CX career, where I. I took on the mantle of a CX role, which took me years to earn inside of an organization that did not want to do customer experience. I fought for it for years and I came into the role fighting and I was fighting my peers. And I was, I was trying to take customer experience into me instead of unlocking it into others. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, was, I was using voice of customer to basically tell everybody else how much they sucked. And, and every day was a battle. And I was telling this to a mentor of mine, Debbie Hummel, and she looked at me and she's like, why are you fighting your own people? You idiot. Why, why are you girding yourself for war to come into work with people that you should trust and that respect you and that want to be with you? It's like, no wonder people act defensive around you and you have to fight so hard to make anything happen because you're turning everybody off with your mentality. It's like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, and I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it because my entire career before that, I was the opposite. I was the guy that was giving and serving. And that was just the way that I was somewhere. And I didn't even feel it happened, but I shifted. I shifted my mentality. I poisoned my relationships with those around me. So I, I had to do a big 180 come about and just think about how, how can I help you? How can I bring CX to you in a way that's going to help solve your problem? And I'm not going to sit here and beat you over the head with it. I'm, I'm going to be alongside you in this trench, digging with you and, and just helping. I'm just going to help. And, and that changed everything. I, I love the, I love the, first of all, I love you sharing that story. And I've heard the longer version of it and I, and I love it. 
and I love you admitting that you didn't get it right because it was like completely motivated by the right things. Like the reason you were so passionate is you were advocating for your customers. Like literally like you were a like holy warrior for your customers and, and, and doing the right thing. It wasn't for you, obviously, because it didn't really help your career at that job. It sounds like, but, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I did for a while, <laughs> but I mean, you, you really, I think like you did more just in that role, even when you were kind of arguing with your peers than most people I've ever met, even in CX. So you killed it. But I think this is where we go like to the master's level course of like, a lot of people just need to like start by kind of like wanting to provide a great experience. Right. And then like, kind of like the, the graduate level is like, you know, okay, well I need to um, not just want to, but actually execute, you know? And then I think the kind of like the doctoral level or the, the crazy postgraduate level is like, and do it without pissing people off. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, ran huge teams, crazy cus uh, employee engagement scores, like completely transformed fortune 500 companies. Wow. And to this day, I know several people that effing hate my guts <laughs> that were my peers because I, I similarly, I was fighting so hard and I was like coming to war hmm. and it's like, they were like, you got to choose your battles. I'm like, I choose all of them. And I didn't compromise. And it's it, looking, looking back at the time, I thought I was, you know, this, this soldier, but they were on the same team too, just because they didn't think the same way. They're still on the same team. And I like, I usually have no regrets, but as, as I get older, I look back and I'm like, man, I, I, I'm humbled by the mistakes I made. I'm like, I hope next time I'm, I, I'm in this situation, I, um, learn to play nice with others, which you're supposed to learn in third grade, but apparently I didn't. <laughs> we, we grew up in a different generation, right? So for me, what was it? Like a lot of the parents around me were, uh, especially the, the fathers were Vietnam vets. Mm. Yeah, so imagine raising their kids and that mentality of, you know, you're bully on a bully. That's really, you know, that's how, how it was in my school. So mm -hmm. growing up, you're just like, well, I kind of want to don't go that route. And I didn't realize that when I was little, I was like, I didn't want to go that route. That wasn't my thing. It was cool to be in the cool group to be, you know, that bully. But in reality, it, you're like, well, you end up fighting and then your friends like two minutes later after the fight, right. you know, a physical fist fight, you know, that's usually the case. And and nowadays, it's a different generation. Like, there's there's none of that. I mean, the parenting has changed so much where a lot of kids kids these days are motivated to, they want change. They want something different. They want, they uh, like here, it's like, uh, uh, oh, that one guy was on your uh, podcast. Rums, Rumsberg? Rums, uh, Jeff Rumberg? Huh? Rumberg? Jeff Rumberg. Rumberg. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. My, my staff went to to his talk He's and great. and they were so motivated to like sh totally shift left mm -hmm. and they're all like they're like i mean literally they sent me his presentation they're like let's let's have a meeting let's talk about like let's wow. do a shift left and such like they were so like they they went they went to maddie's talk they went i believe they went to your talk and they, uh, nate's talk and some others and they were so motivated that's awesome and they're, and they're like, what can we do to make IT clients, IT client services better? And I'm like, we're better. You, now you guys want to go to great. 
yeah well that's what you should wow. do but first of all like yeah. your team i met them and i have to shout out to your your team who have yeah. memory served all had the same name what was it like yeah eric's eric's all the eric's. <laughs> eric's all the eric's oh my gosh we have so many eric's in this amazing <laughs> but they were the, they were the the sweetest guys and they did have that that inspiration and and if i can like commandeer for a second and and do a throwback i as i zoom out i wonder if what nate was saying at the beginning about purpose and also like i listened to nate i don't know if it was recent or old time ago but you did some interview where you were talking about um like this mission the importance of being mission driven with cx yeah and like just as as you were talking about purpose and and play and, and and glenn as you're just talking about like your people coming up and really getting this inspiration and and how important it is to have that inspiration maybe the secret is as i look back on like the teams that the most badass teams that i ran we always had a clear mission statement that was not a bullshit one but an actual a real one like we came to, we didn't go to job we came to work on like a pirate ship or a viking ship to to accomplish something yes. together though like nate or nate or glenn like do you guys think maybe that's the secret? Do you think that's the secret is having that mission that unites the team to that way there is an inspiration when you come to work every day? I think so. Uh, from my experience, from bringing uh, the team there, their first time to a conference, because they always see me go to conferences and they always see me motivated. It's like, why is Glenn always motivated? Right? Yeah. And then now, now they got, now they drank the Kool-Aid of HDI and they're like, oh, I like this old motivation thing, right? Makes me want to move forward and try something different try something outside the box right because mm -hmm. it seems like when you go to when you when you go to an hdi conference or any conference it's like it seems like people are doing something that outside the box that we need to get out of out of traditional and try something different that really really shakes mm -hmm. uh, shakes our it and shakes our customer service where it it makes it better and that's what they're always looking for not only make it better for our customers have the customer experience but also make it better for us so we're satisfied in both ways. So we're thinking of now of having like right now, like the team you saw that went with uh, what went with me to the HDI conference. Yeah. Now they're like, well, we'll be the, we'll be the, uh, the conference crew. And I'm like, no, I'm like, we got to switch it Whoa. up. Because <laughs> <laughs> they sure love it be. so much. And they're like, I'm like, well, we need to start bringing in more people so they can get motivated. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, let's, now they're like thinking, who can we bring in that's not motivated or unmotivated and bring mm -hmm. them to a HDI to listen to like Nate, or if you speak again, Ben, I know I want to speak again um, and have them get motivated again. Right. And they're like, oh, wow, we went through this. Did this. That's like when, I, when we were in Florida uh, in, uh, at the HDI in Florida, Ben, I had one of our managers go. Yeah, we have one of our managers because she's one of my she's she's a colleague of mine and she got motivated motivated by xlas right mm, and she yeah. she brought it up and people are like couldn't understand it like i understood it i took a class and thank you ben for doing that and uh, and um but it, i think it's still new to people what when when it's it's kind of not but people are still trying to wrap their head around xlas it's like, how do we implement it? I'm like, well, you know, if you go to HDI conference, you know, there's some, there's some, you know, breakout courses where you can listen to it. So, and that big word X, right? Like, have you seen that airplane, uh, that private jet, uh, JSX? 
their terminology uh, they're out here in the west coast sorry nate they're they haven't gone to the you know, right. middle middle midwest yet um and jsx is a company and jsx stands for just simple experience oh well yeah i love that right and and he thought about like well i got tired of standing in line at the airport it wasn't a great experience so i decided to buy a bunch of private jets and make everyone you know make it close as possible as commercial airline prices but you just have a better experience wow. and that's what he was focused on was just the experience and bringing in experience now makes me think and i'm i've been using this lately is how can it give the experience of how disney gives you experience when you walk into disneyland right so when you walk into Disneyland, you're like so excited, so motivated to like, I got to write this ride. I got to write this ride. I got to do this. I got to eat these foods in this area. Right. And the people are so friendly because that's, that's a foregone conclusion because people know they're going to get friendly service. Right. Mm -hmm. How can IT get to that point where, oh, we know IT has friendly service, but oh man, I got to talk to that network team. I've got to talk to, oh, let me call service desk. Right. How can we get to that level? when they've been practicing for so many years hmm. and IT has been around for so many years. I'm surprised they haven't picked up that, picked that up yet. Right. No, I think so is, so is the business and everyone that relies on IT is also surprised they haven't picked that up yet. You think they would, <laughs> they would have, have picked that up by now. But I mean, the, what I try to tell people is that you'll see IT leaders and IT technicians, managers at all levels trying to say, how do we create a great experience? To your point, it's, already been solved. If you go to the Ritz-Carlton in yes. Taipei, in Nashville, and like, you don't have to invent how to create a great experience. You know, Disney uses like design thinking and that's how they figure out what, what's going on, you know? And they have a mission. They're, you know, they have a very clear, them and the Ritz-Carlton have a very clear mission. Shout out to their leadership programs too. Both of those organizations will train your leaders. We've yeah. sent our IT leaders there and it's great. But you know, they, they, you don't, it's not hard. Like they've already done the work and it's not proprietary. No. Like if you read a book on design thinking and it's, or take a course and you, you'll, you'll know what they know. Like the thing is like, how do you let go of what you know in IT or anything else to, to, to do that? Like the reason that I became like, a, you know, quote unquote, like IT experience guru is because I didn't know anything about IT. And so I didn't have to unlearn anything, but you know, what's, it's a lot harder if you grew up and you've been in IT for 20 years and all of a sudden someone's using different terminology and especially if you're good and great at what you do and someone's like, oh, this is different now. Like it's a lot harder because you have to unlearn stuff, you know, like I, it was literally my ignorance <laughs> of IT that made me good, you know, because I was the right place at the right time. But ignorance isn't a foolproof strategy. So like, yeah, how do you how do you get people that are, you know, that have been in the game for a while to, to be Disney like, you know, like design thinking is one and i would say have a clear mission and and disney measures it too have a way to define it like you can't improve what you can't measure so if you don't have a, a valid way to measure experience like i mean you're probably not gonna, you're only going to improve on accident if you do you know like you're never going to know that you did i don't know what do you think nate yeah i i the disney example is an interesting one to unpack i mean that one of their core tenets of their mission is to entertain yeah right so I, IT professionals, that, that's not one of our core tenants, but, but if we look at it, some of their other core tenants, improving lives, exceeding expectations, improvement of communities. 
Th those are tenants that are very relevant to IT thinking in terms of, yeah, we, we want to improve your life working inside this organization. There's a great stat from G2 Crowd recently that half of people that are leaving their jobs are burned out because of bad digital experiences. The yeah. software they use sucks. And they're leaving jobs because their their digital experience inside the company is so fragmented that they're over it. They're going to go to a more competent company. So you, you want to tell me that the IT experience isn't important to the overall culture and ability for the company to achieve its purposes? You're crazy. You're crazy if you don't know that. Digital experience is so, so critical. And IT usually owns that. But yeah. but if we, we, we got to look at it th this way. When you're walking in a Disney park, you're already excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't start, Glenn, when you walked in the park. You were already so excited because of Disney's reputation, mm -hmm. because of the anticipation that you had getting in there. So Disney built that reputation and, and they curated your perception long before you set foot in the park. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge lesson right there for IT. <laughs> the, yeah. the experience didn't start when we showed up at their workstation. The experience started with the reputation that we have in the business. And, yes. and that goes back to the mentality that we have when we're serving people. Is it obvious that we're there as an IT club just to do the bare minimum and go back to the basement? If, if that's your mentality, if that's the way you come across to people, they're not going to be excited for you to come up to their workstation and, and to serve them in whatever way. So you get to build that reputation to make them excited to have that experience with you. To walk into the park <laughs> yeah. and another big Disney isn't I, I apologize for for talking too long here but like I Good. love Good. that Disney took over Central Florida <laughs> yes because yeah. it's bigger than the park right they people were having a bad experience at Disney because of Central Florida because they were sunburned they were ruined with mosquitoes there was terrible traffic the hotel was terrible cockroaches blah 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 and Disney came in, they built their own hotels, <laughs> they built their the boardwalk, yep, they yep. built the incredible transportation system, they owned the entire journey, the experience that somebody had in Central Florida, so that they could keep those people excited and energized about the parks, it didn't cannibalize away from the experience. So, I mean, that's another huge thing for, for the IT world. It's so much bigger than those little touch points that we do have directly with the customer. We're creating a set of tools <laughs> and, and the average enterprise has 464 custom applications inside of it. That's, that's central Florida. That's <laughs> mosquitoes and swamps and alligators. That's going to kill you. You, you don't want to go into that ecosystem of tools because it's, it's ridiculous. So we, we got to make that a lot better and make people excited to come into the digital experience that we create for them. That That's when you can start to work on Disney World. Yeah. Well, uh, Disney, if you're listening to my podcast, if anyone from Disney- You uh, should be. <laughs> they should be. And um, if you could provide us some season passes, that'd be great. So <laughs> anyway, that's that little plug to, for Disney. But going back to Ben talking about the Ritz-Carlton, I was reading an article before Apple started their retail business. Mm -hmm. They had all their executives and all the people who's going to start up the retail market mm -hmm. all go to the Ritz-Carlton for their customer service training program. Yep. How amazing is that? Right. Super. They they looked around. They said they did all their research and which one could provide us the best customer service training. And they went to the Ritz-Carlton. I think they stayed in for like two weeks or something like that or longer. Yeah. 
to, to go through their customer service training. And now if you go on an Apple store, it's a great experience. Yeah. Like it, it used experience. to be, it used to be better actually. Like I know way too much about the, like the genius bar and stuff. So it's actually <laughs> their MPS has dropped a lot, but in the Steve jobs days, yes. Like it was game changing. The amount of CIOs that came to me and were like, oh, I've got this great idea the genius bar, but at our work, like everyone thought that was a great idea. And I'm like, I jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah. You, you, you should, because yeah. they, they, they did it right. And again, they didn't reinvent how to create a great experience. They went to through its Carlton and said, Hey, what is, what, what is the makings of a great experience? And then they applied those principles in the same way, like Disney, you know, they, you don't have to be, if you're an IT, you're like, Oh, well, I'm not Disney, you know, like my, I'm not about community. We have different missions but you need to have a mission. The point is like Disney has an epic mission and IT, most teams I talk to don't have an epic mission, you know, and it's certainly not one aligned with, with, with the company. Mm-hmm. And secondly, something I think that was really rad that I was thinking about that when, when Nate was talking about Disney, they didn't just make an awesome park and say like, well, Florida sucks. Well, that's not us, you know, like and, you know, the amount of IT people I see, they'll, they'll read surveys and they're like, oh, that's not us. That's HR. Wow. Well, yep. t- tough cookies, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you want a great experience, and again, just to lean on my own experience, like every team that I've led that has like totally just transformed like the employee experience of a company, I always said the same thing. You don't get there by doing your jobs great. Anyone can do their jobs great. Champions do everyone else's jobs great too. And so like, if you're waiting for HR to, to be perfect at interacting with you in, in, in onboarding, you're gonna be waiting a long time. If you're waiting for recruiting to not ham hand someone's name, especially at a global company and, and have that their AD password be created wrong, you're gonna be waiting a long time. You know, like it's, you have to do everyone else's job, but what's amazing, and this is the opportunity that no one else but IT has. IT both has like the admin, you know, credentials to, and owns a lot of the tools, but also we interact with Glenn, every single person and team in the company. We have our fingers on the pulse, especially your technicians, not the VPs, not the directors. The technicians have your fingers on the pulse and of every office and how things are going. If we actually, you know, take that information and say, okay, like what's really going on down there and how do we fix it? And then we work like, unlike me, who just like, you know, like I said, piss some peers off, but actually said, here's the voice of the customer. We see these things are broken. Mm-hmm. Let's help HR do this. Yeah. Not HR, you suck. Not, hey, networking, building B, the internet sucks. Let's help them do it. And if you come to work saying, we're going to create a badass experience, regardless of whether or not it's our job, whether it means like cleaning up building B because they cut the sanitation budget, you know, you know whatever it means. And you, when you lead by example like that, that's when you get that fire. And, and I, I think not to keep harping on the mission, but I just, if there's one thing that I want people to take away besides that I talk too much, it's that there is a, uh, you know, have a mission, not a bullshit mission statement, but decide, go, go back. And if you're in California, smoke a joint. If you're somewhere else, just meditate, do something. Well, not to Tennessee, but yep. <laughs> yeah, Do something to reflect and just think like, why are we here? you know, what would be the most awesome way to spend the precious moments I have left on this earth, you know, that I'm going to spend at work and come back and say, guys, I have a mission. 
And I, I, on another podcast, I'll tell you a couple of real examples of the missions that, that we use that were nice. funny, but it's, a, it's, I, it just dawns on me. And I, I always forget this because we talk to so many IT leaders and we talk about, you know, the little tips and tricks, but like, just know why you're there. Like if everyone is on a mission, then they're going to be happy. They're going to make great decisions. All their tiny micro decisions throughout the day are going to be guided by that. It's just, to, to me, I think if, if everyone went home and, and made that a priority for Q3, just the world would change. I mean, there, there's almost a visual forming in my mind, and this might be rough because it's it's still very much forming I in my it. mind. Do it, do it. It, it's almost like there's there's a scale here. And especially in the IT world, when when we become defensive, when we start to to resent our peers because of their incompetence, right. because of, of the different ways that we are a victim of our job, it, it pushes that scale in a, in a negative direction. When you can infuse the work with a mission-driven mentality of, I care about this <laughs> so much that, that I'm, I'm gonna care about this person more than their incompetence, more than the frustration level that I have. I, I'm gonna let those positive intrinsic motivators outweigh these other aspects that are always going to be frustrating in a job, especially in an IT job, they're always going to be there. But if you can get somebody to care enough about these things that matter, they're not going to be consumed by these petty other things. Yes. Yeah. Um, ben, you were just talking about HR, and I just remember having experience uh, back in the day, um, not back in the days, back several years ago, where HR had a problem. And I think I kind of just rattled the cage a little bit, but in a positive way where, nice. and you, you know, you talk about humility, humility, I can't even say the word, I'll say humble. There you go. And you, then you live the word, Glenn, you don't have to <laughs> anyway. And here's a perfect example when HR had a problem with their onboarding and the IT portion of it was kind of like missing or having a bad experience. I'm like, Hey, let us, let's us, let, why don't you invite IT into these meetings now? Hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, well, the part experience, because everyone needs a computer. And they need that experience of getting that account, getting it set up and yeah. getting it up and running. And they're like, oh, so you want to be in our meetings? Oh, yeah, in the beginning and into the end, because wow. we don't, we want to make sure we're not missing a blind spot or get, you know, and make sure our blind spots are covered. And they were so surprised about, like, wow, IT is going to be in our meeting now. How awkward is that? It's not awkward. We're a team trying to work together and we need our portion to help you become more successful. So it's a less pain point on your side. And they didn't realize, they don't understand that. And it was like, and they finally understood it once we, you know, put our portion in. And for other departments to like, even like marketing or even, you know, some, someone like that, would go, why does IT need to be involved in our stuff? We're involved in a lot of things. Yeah, they put up that wall. You are. And then next thing you know, you know, I'm coming in going, hey, let's work together. And they're like, what's this? Glenn just keeps coming in, just like puts himself in, a, in our meetings. And I'm like, you know what? I do that in coaching, coaching too. If there's a coaching clinic and I know there's someone's not gonna talk something right, I'm gonna invite myself to that clinic <laughs> or if there's a tournament, I know my team would do well, but we'd get beat up and I want my team to get beat up. I'm going to invite my team to that tournament. And they're like, but you didn't get an invite. No, we're coming in. You just got to slot us in. You know, that's kind of my forceful way <laughs> once in a while. And 
lo and behold, yeah, we didn't win the tournament or we ended up winning a tournament. It was the fact that my team was getting experience. It was the fact that when people were saying one thing in a coaching clinic, I'm like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that experience as you as a coach. Yeah. How do you feel about that? And then I'll go to the audience who are coaches out there. How do you feel about that now? It's like, and they're like, wow, I never thought about my feelings. And you're asking about my feelings. And I'm like, yeah, because you're a coach and y'all, everyone's human and y'all have feelings. And that's what I try to put here at UC Berkeley is like, you know, the, you know, let's look at that. Let's, let's break that down. Let's think about that. Mm. And they're like, wow. It was like, do we really have time? I'm like, oh, I have all time in the world. I will make time. <laughs> but and, it's, it's, it's all human stuff, right? Yeah. It, it's not like corporate strategy. It's literally no. like being a, a good human. Like if you, like I, I used to love evolutionary psychology just because it helps, you know, someone with anxiety, it helps me understand that, yes, you know, real fear used to exist with like a, you yep. know, triceratops or whatever. I don't, I'm not really familiar with their dinosaurs or whatever. That's a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. But now, like, you know, you get this physical fear when, like, you have to go, you know, have a weird conversation, right? So, like, you know, I'm always fascinated by how it starts, and it helps explain human behavior. Like, long, like, humans, and I think customer experience comes when when humans play well together, like you're talking about. And yeah. I just keep, I just, I always like to zoom out, but I just zoomed out in my head way back to, like, humanity. Like, since long before corporations, before, like, the Industrial Revolution, before you know the internet, before the wheel, there were humans and they had these things called tribes. And that's how we succeeded. And we got here because tribes did what? It was people working together. Yep. Yeah. And really that's in like, yes, you know, there were competing tribes. So you would have your wars because humans have to do that, I guess. But like, you know, I wonder if we just thought of companies as a tribe, like we're on the same team, you know? There's a challenge, right? Because in Laos you know, we're allowed that country where influence being influenced is by your tribe and your character is within your tribe. So building your character is from outside in hmm. America is different. It oh, goes yeah. inside out, right? You're your own tribe. And interesting how I was, I was reading about that studying about, I still haven't finished my study on that, but Interesting how influentials from making my character comes from my tribe from outside in. That makes me, right? Versus, you know, inside out. You, you all are, I'm about to burst over here. So yeah, the, the tribal leadership is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible book. And, and if you haven't yeah, yeah. looked at it, I mean, it, it's such a brilliant way to think about this stuff. I mean, you're so right, Ben. I mean, there's a, a lot of psychology here. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to reduce cortisol that fear motivator. We're yeah. trying to bring in the community chemicals of oxytonin and serotonin. And it's a totally yep. different way of treating people and thinking about why we interface with, with each other. And, and to put it in the context of a tribe is, is brilliant. So if, if we look at the five stages of tribal leadership, the Love stage- that you have this, by the way, this is really cool. <laughs> stage one is all life sucks. We all, it's just, I just have to not die today. That That's, that's the, yeah. then it's, then it becomes, my life sucks. <laughs> but but then, then the third tribe, and this is where most people, most organizations get to, I'm great and you're not. <laughs> so like our tribe's awesome. Our team's cool. I'm great. I can do these things. That That's kind of the end of it. And that's where a lot of us fizzle out. 
a, a stable tribe, a good functional tribe is we together are great. <laughs> we, we can do so much more if, if I, if I can actually celebrate truly and authentically the victories of another member of my team <laughs> and not in the, the lens of me and what that does to me. And are they taking something away from me? That is a great tribe. And then the, the final stage is truly that idea of life is great. We all together, when, when we function in this habitat together very well, and, and, and we're working to serve one another authentically and truly, that's a level five tribe. Most of us will never see it. <laughs> yeah. And I think you know, can, I, I think we can though. I don't, we should. Like, I, I think most of if, you know, it, the past is the best predictor for the future. So I agree with you, like philosophically that, that most of us will never see it, but doesn't it just kill you? And I know, you know, like, I know that you could walk into just about any organization with, at least if we had some executive like sponsorship and, and clean that stuff up in like a matter of months, like, <laughs> It can be done, you know, we're, we're in our own way. And if, if I can pile onto this tribe uh, analogy for a second, like I think the tribe mentality, we get that. The problem is who is your tribe? And I think it's hard to harp on IT because it's, it's, it, we're, we're, in, we're so much like in the Smart. woods with IT, but like is your tribe IT or is your tribe the company you work for? And that makes a huge difference because if your tribe is IT, then yeah, FHR, you know, but if your tribe is the company, then you work together. Like we, like, again, like Glenn said, we don't like not, I won't mention any specific companies, but we had a really, a, a big company that just did, it was a long, several multi-year transformation and really proud of it. But the steps were really funny to me as a leader, you know, when you, when you think you've got it right and you get it wrong. Like, so first of all, like, it was IT. So like, you know, he had like help desk, remote, level one, level two. And so we basically wiped all those titles. We also, by the way, for you IT people, we wiped incidents and, and I don't even remember what the other one is and wiped all that BS, but we wiped those titles. And we just said like, you are um, a global service desk, level one, two, three. And we had like a career ladder, but it wasn't like everyone was on the same team. And we're like, we unified the team. And then what happened? They started dividing up geographically. And then it became like the, you know, the US versus like East versus West, you know, and then we're like, we unified the US. And then it's like, oh, AMIA and APAC versus US. Like it was just, it was, it was hilarious. And we were on the, the wrong tribe. But Nate, like, and, and since you do have to, to bounce, Glenn, sorry, can I, can I mute and just hear like whatever few minutes we have left from Nate? Cause like <laughs> yes. I could have been on tangent, but I just personally, I need to hear what you have to say, Nate. I, I, I'm Nate, gonna mute go for it. And then we'll end it. Uh, we'll, uh, I'll close it out from here. So go for it. Yeah. I mean, there's several things firing in my head. And the first one that popped in is Matt Dixon's brilliant article on reinventing customer service. You, you, it's required reading for it service professionals, because what he did is he took this case study. It was from T-Mobile. And they, they had this massive giant call center slash service center slash IT center, and it, it wasn't functioning well. Right. And they, they actually broke them up into tribes of like 50 people. And there's a magic number between 50 and 120-ish people to where people can get to know one another. I know the names of your kids. I know if you have a dog. And, and that's almost enough, like right there. Like I, I know you as a person to some degree, you are not just a corporate entity, you're a human being. You can only do that up to about a maximum of 150 people. 
as soon as you excel beyond that, everybody just becomes a hurdle, a barrier, <laughs> a friction point to you. They're not a person anymore. So there is a magic element here to organizing in tribes, but not by a specific department necessarily, because inside of these tribes and reinventing customer service, you had all these different critical functions that supported one another in these ecosystems. And I think it was Bob Thompson that did a similar thing. So they had this manufacturing environment and it scaled up and it got so big that people didn't know each other anymore. So what did they do? They created more smaller manufacturing environments and scaled up that way, but maintaining the sanctity of the tribe. So, I mean, there, there's something magic and important here. And, and Ben, you're asking a brilliant question on who is the tribe. It is the organization, but, but we, can, we can have a smaller functional ecosystem inside of it. And, and having those, those autonomous, somewhat independent tribes, but that are aligned culturally, that are aligned to a unified and very distinctive mission. We, we can do that. And Patrick Lencioni does talk about another powerful tribe. It is the power of one. And the one is the tribe of the leadership team together. Yes. And, and when we, one of the first things that I look for coming into a new team, if I'm, if I'm trying to understand team dynamics, is are they bad-mouthing other leaders in other departments? Because that's the first sign of immaturity. And, and I see it all the time in different teams that I, I serve in the past where it's like, yeah, you, you think that you're doing something to insulate and protect your people and being like a mother cub to your team? You're not. No, because they, what they see is, wow, as soon as I walk out the door, what are they going to say about me? <laughs> and what if I were to switch roles into this other area? Does this person not care about me anymore? Are they not here for my career or here for me as a human being? Are they not here for the company? Are they just here because they want to have a great reputation as a leader? They just want their team to be great and they care about that more than the greatness of the company and the mission. So, I mean, psychologically, that does not help to, to be that mother cub over your team. But when you, when you admonish, when you edify the team of one, the leadership group together, and then bring that dynamic into your teams, it's amazing what that does to the circle of trust. I don't want awesome. to talk about anything else for the rest of the week. I'm, I, 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 I hope we can continue this conversation at some point. This is. I think there's going to be a part two because you, uh, there's a few things that rang a bell in my head of like one of my pet peeves. I, I did one earlier podcast about pet peeves and this pet peeve is like, why does IT think they know customer service? And there's, you know, they're trying to at, bring like customer service questions and stuff like that. And I'm like, you are the wrong people to try to figure out what questions to use or uh, figure out for uh, what questions to ask in our surveys. So there will be a part two to this. There, there's a lot. So um, I love it. Thank you so much for both of you uh, attending. I really appreciate it. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. Also, Nate, in one, oh, I, I know it's a hard stop, but do you, can you do one quick plug sure. about your company in 30 seconds? Yeah, Arise, Arise is awesome. I mean, if you're if you're looking for a great network of outsourced talent to, to be able to do burst capacity in a contact center or CX consulting, which is more more my division, uh, both of those things they're very good at. And we just launched an Arise gaming uh, brand that is amazing. So for all the gaming clients out there that you're looking at your player experience, definitely hit me up. I think my kids will want that. Experience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, any, well, thank any, you both. Yeah, Go ahead, I just want to say, if you're looking for talent, Anything that's even adjacent to Nate is going to give you a great customer experience. If you care about that, I just want to plus one that. Not to kiss it's, it's, it's He's the real deal. And ditto awesome. with Ben. Yes, let's go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys. Really appreciate it.
and Thanks take care everyone listening Thanks. everyone listening uh be kind and be human all right yes take care. Bye, everybody. thank you everybody bye Wow, what an amazing conversation with Nate and Ben. Really exciting to have them on. The passion about customer service, how that conversation and how their experience and stories. Oh my gosh, so amazing. All right, so as you heard, there will be a part two to customer service because we have a lot to unfold, which is exciting. All right, everyone, I have one special announcement to make, and that is... I created a YouTube channel and the YouTube channel is called bring your brain to the number two to work. So bring your brain to work. All right. So the first video of this YouTube channel for managing with common sense and bring your brain to work. Well, you know, that's our slogan is bring your brain to work is this video right here. So I'm excited for having this video on our first video with Nate and Ben on our YouTube channel, really excited. Check it out, I'll put the link below. Actually, I'll put the link in the description. And remember folks, I wanna appreciate you for listening to my podcast. It, it, I just do this to bring the word out of conversations that I've been having and I wanna share it with everyone around the world. All right, so really appreciate for everyone listening. If you could spread the word about my podcast and our new YouTube video, that'd be great. Don't forget to, if you like it, give it a thumbs up, and especially for the video and the podcast. And you want to subscribe, hit the subscribe button for both. Ooh, how exciting. And there is a notification bell. So, so you get notified for the new podcast. I do have a great lineup for my podcast, and I'm excited for it. So watch out for them. There, there's this one entrepreneur. She's great. I can't name drop right now because we still need to schedule that time. But I'm excited for it. Well, that's it. That's all I have. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And have a great day. And don't forget to be human and be kind. Take care, everybody. Bye.